We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a play-by-play announcer who loves to save money. And here at Progressive, it's discounts all day. The customer's a safe driver and mails over the discount. Signed up for paperless billing, and it's a discount from downtown. Insuring multiple vehicles, and kablam, shakalaka, fadeaway, cross-court, coast-to-coast, discount mania! Whew, should we go to commercial? Wait, this is a commercial. With all kinds of discounts, Progressive helps you save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. It's very weird being in an office again. <laughs> like being having to like go somewhere with pants on to, to work with other people. <laughs> this is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by Rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For news, rankings, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, head over to rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. It's a midweek edition with your usual host, Mike Gottlieb. Along with me, as always, is Andrew Laird to talk about the previous weekend in Premier League action, game week 10. Andrew, I am a combination of hungry and depressed, so I'll be extra cranky and I will be in uh, I'll be in heightened form, if you will. Yeah, I'm not going to try to make it any better. 
the results of your teams this weekend, Chelsea aside, as you had noted on Twitter, yeah. uh, left uh, left something to be desired. Yeah, well, Rick Riley put the Chargers' performance the uh, the best. Uh, he said, you know, this was the San Diego's bye week. Goodbye playoffs and goodbye San Diego. <laughs> That's so, well played. It's the first fair. good thing he's done in years. Yeah, and I think it was an original thought too. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Just I'm, I I didn't mean that, Rick Riley. I'm I'm just cranky. But uh, let's I meant start to laugh with, at it. Yeah, exactly. Let's start with Chelsea. Yes, um, let's, let's get this. Let's get this over with. Okay. Uh, just. Let me present the question to you. Please do. What? I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Okay. Well, well, let's start with what saves Chelsea. Nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> a, complete, a complete change in philosophy. Well, that, that's what I mean. Is it is it getting rid of Mourinho and all these players that he specifically has brought in? Uh, you know, or it's is not it... the, the talent is there. The system is not. It's basically a bunch of thoroughbreds sitting in a really tight barn. So that's a wonderful metaphor, actually. What is the so, so we know the possibility of Mourinho essentially adjusting his style will not happen, right? It hasn't to date, right? And I think the reason why I think the overarching reason why he he won't do that is because he has seen success with these parts, and I don't know if well he clearly thinks that the world is out to get him. And that he has to fight more than just the team that he's playing. And so I don't know if there's this thought in his mind that if he can essentially intimidate everybody out of what they've been doing to them, that they'll be able to turn it around. Or if he's literally just lost it. So with Star Wars coming out, you know, the evil empire, you know, they didn't just sit back and wait for stuff to happen to them. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, I think, is what's going on on the pitch. Chelsea just look like they're waiting for something terrible to happen. They don't attack anybody. They don't. Hasn't outright... it already been terrible? Well, my my point is that every game they go oh, with game the same game. philosophy. Okay. Everything. Like, okay, let's wait for someone to come at us so we can counterattack. Right. When they have the better players, it doesn't make any sense. So. I mean, why... yeah. Despite the results, they're still by far one of the more talented play uh, teams yeah, in this absolutely. league. Absolutely. Absolutely, they have the attack. They have they have enough attacking midfielders to field three good teams. Yep. So, especially if you include the players on loan, and I think some of them will be coming back in January. Uh, I would be I'd be surprised if you know the likes of well, first of all, uh, Bamford is not an attacking midfielder. I think he'll be coming back. I'd be surprised if Victor Moses doesn't come back. I'm going to disagree with you on all of it. I don't think anybody comes back. Well, if nobody comes back, well, which is fine. I, 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 that, that's just a hunch based on zero facts, basically my whole entire life. I, I think a lot of and, that is that you, you think they should come back. And whether that's right or wrong, it's kind of irrelevant. I'm not sure Chelsea thinks they need to come back. Well, be that as it may, Chelsea need to start attacking teams, especially the ones that are not nearly as good as them. And just if they get, which countered, is really seventeen other teams, exactly. So, and if they get countered, if they get countered upon once or twice, then you know what? You pay those defenders a lot of money too. And if they can't do it, then get better defenders. So it's you. You have to see what you have, and I don't think they know what they have, which is especially nuts. defensively. I know it's nuts. <laughs> I really don't think they know. 
uh, and they look tired. And if that's the case, put in other people. Yeah, it's start start doing that rotation thing because you have such good squad depth and they just don't. And, you know, with Liverpool next, it's not going to get easier, especially Mm -hmm. because Liverpool are going to press the living daylights out of them when they're on the ball. Yep. And I I don't think it. I I mean, I think Chelsea are going to be in for back to back home losses. Wasn't the West Ham one on the road or they lose previously? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's certainly possible. I'm not sure it's probable. I, and maybe I just keep going back to the fact that I think they can turn it around. I may, I'm almost just as crazy as Mourinho, I guess, because there's just too much talent to not be able to produce as, as well as they have. doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's... It... it was weird to me how much he talked about Ruben Loftus-Cheek and how he was ready, and he basically gave him 45 minutes... And that was it. He saw enough. Yeah, and then well, and then Maddox gets a red card, so yep. we'll see. We'll see him again, which was deserved. I agree. I'm not sure. And, I'm not and, sure we'll and, see Loftus Cheek again. Why do you think he plays over Ramirez? It's not about over Ramirez. It's about over John Obi Mikel. <laughs> you know, well, sure, Fabregas. but you know, it's. I think you it's can't gonna be put Ramirez, Ramirez and Fabregas back there because that's not enough. It, that that's just not. Those are two people who are not. Central defensive infielders. Okay. They're just not. Okay. And Chelsea need to utilize their pace. They have it in abundance. Yeah, they do. And they don't use it. And the only way they're going to do that is either with a formation shift, which they will not do, or they need to just fundamentally keep those fast players out wide. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to putting Ramirez in the attacking three. I don't think he's great there. But if you put him on one side and a guy like Willian on the other and put Hazard in the middle and let him roam about and not have to come back defensively, which I think is a sticking point right now. Apparently. Clearly, I mean. So, you know, let him and Costa do the creation up top, which they surely can do, and let those two fast guys run up and down the pitch, pressing occasionally from time to time, which they're both capable of doing. And then putting in guys like Maddox, Loftus-Cheek, Fabregas, if they absolutely have to. Uh, you know, it's – you know, have those guys defend the back four, whoever they may be. And just have people go out and go have fun out there. They, just, they, they, they're not having fun. They're not doing what they're best at. And when you have a bunch of players playing either out of position or out of system, this is what you get. But are we sure they're out of position and out of system? I mean, we, uh, last either. season we saw this work perfectly well. Not, uh, uh, I, you know, they it worked well for six weeks, eight weeks when they were scoring a bunch of goals, and then when you looked at the second half of the season, it, it wasn't working that great. They were either giving up a ton of goals or not scoring any. But they led. I mean, they were top of the table for most of two thousand. Yeah, they, they went wire to wire last right. year, basically. And, and, but that that it was the start and how they got off to like a ten point lead on everybody. Mm-hmm. Where they could, they they basically had the ability to coast, knowing that everybody was chasing them. They were winning when they were when they were zero zero. Right, but it, I mean, at the same time, they still. I'm trying to find the table here. I mean, they won by nine points. It's not like they won by two. Yeah, I know, I know, and because they, they barely ever lost, they would either draw or win. Yeah. And I think they lost a grand total of twice last year, or something like that, but or three times, two or three times, but three. Yeah. So. 
But this, I mean, this season there, there, I think there are five losses already. I mean, to put it in perspective, you know, Watford is ahead of them in the table after ten games. Yep. And, and it's not like you know, and it's not that it's just you know Watford have like a win here or there. I mean, they they have a better goal differential. They've got uh, far fewer goals conceded, and they're it's. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch, mm-hmm. uh, and Watford are not entertaining to watch either. Just for the record, but, <laughs> no. You know, the only teams with a worse goal differential are Norwich, Burnmouth, Sunderland, Newcastle, Villa, all of whom are going to be fighting relegation. Yep. That, that's the company in which Chelsea keeps. <laughs> um, and it's sad. It's just it's it's sadder than sad. And for a fantasy perspective, you know. Because we're a fantasy soccer show, I don't, I, I can't imagine starting anybody next weekend. Not, not, not a single person. Chelsea at home, you can't accept. And then my response is, don't start anybody. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I, you know, so if you if you had to pick one, who would you pick? Willian. Yeah. And even that's another statement you just would not believe you would be making. Mm-hmm. You'd also probably make it for the last few weeks, though. Yeah. It's not like this was a... But that is nuts. So while we're on the topic of of Chelsea, and by the way you're talking, it seems the answer is going to be very clear, but I had written this down yesterday in preparation of today, which is astonishing that I even had a little thought of what we were going to talk about today yesterday. But do you think... Diego Costa can outscore, meaning goals, Harry Kane this year. You know, if, when you put the word can in there, yes, of course he can. Willie. Not to be confused. Now that, now, really now, now, that, now that Kane has the hat trick behind him. Yes. Um, like Costa's not, you know, impo- you know it's imp- not impossible for him to get a hat trick. Unlikely, but, <laughs> but I hear you. Do you think Harry Kane finishes with more goals than Diego Costa? So you're still thinking about it. It's, uh, yeah, which is insane. Well, it's not and, insane. And, it's not insane. I mean, he, Kane outscored him last year. Well, the, they the, both... mitigating, the mitigating factor for me is the fact that Diego Costa has a tendency of getting hamstring injuries. Um, you know, so it's it, injury related that he wouldn't do it. I, I that that's that would be that's my caution going into it. I think if they if they both played every game the rest of the season, yes. Costa would outscore Kane. Okay, that's that's the answer I was looking for. Okay. I, mean, I think Costa would outscore a lot of forwards, to be honest. But he's not right now. He's played every game. Or actually, what do you miss? Three? Right. No, well, I take that back. He very much has not played. He's, he's been suspended for almost a third <laughs> let, of the let, season. Let me rephrase. So. He's not missed any due to injury. <laughs> that's that's correct. Right. The excessive. Oh, wait. Is that true? I think he missed one for the hamstring already. Oh, did he? Uh, I'm not looking at my stats right away, which is obviously a... Yeah, uh, poor I, I, move on my part. But he's missed a game off for the hamstring as well. Okay, so okay, so you take Kane because you think he's staying healthy, not because you think I would on an even Kane playing field. Yeah. Okay, okay. But, I mean, it, it's not something I'd I'd rather pass on both. That's fair. It, you know, if Chelsea are still sitting in the lower half of the table come January, by the way, how many offers are they going to come in for those Chelsea stars? None. I don't 
I, th- I think Eden Hazard is the only one who could justify a, a high price that they could that they would get for him. That's the one I'm thinking of. And He's the only one, though. If I'm in a season-long Premier League league, I'd be worried. No, no, no. I would I, not at all. I wouldn't trade him or anything, no. but my 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 radar is my antenna is up. Yeah, uh, he's not going anywhere this season. As long as they have, I mean, they're obviously nine points out of fourth, and I believe they're officially there are officially no teams that have ever come back from eleven points in ten games and made the top four. But we're not just talking about any team here. We're talking about the reigning champions. And I think they, they have to give it a go. And be giving him up in, in January, obviously, is going to be they're just going to murder it, that. It, it they would, also won't, you know. It would also, of course, depend on who they would get back. But Well, if anybody. Yeah, though. I, I, not enough players are available. I agree with you that you know, I don't think he's leaving in January. But, you know, next summer, I think next season, this team's going to look very different. Very different. Because Mourinho's gone? Or because you uh, actually I don't think, think... It, I actually don't even think it matters if he's gone or not. Hmm. I think it looks very different. Uh, specifically, you figure Terry's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cahill probably as well. Yeah, yeah. It's so they'd have to sell him. And like, is anybody buying? I, I guess no. plenty of teams would buy him. Not anyway. I don't want to. I don't. We can save that for another podcast. There's other things that we can re- react to over the weekend, including the fact that most of my gut calls were spot on. Yeah, you nailed that Watford one. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, yeah, and a special note on Watford. What percentage of goals is Odion Igalo a part of for Watford this season? 100. 100% when he is on the pitch. That's crazy. He's either <laughs> assisting or scoring in right. every single one of them. Keep in mind that's eight goals in 10 matches. Well, I think but he's only still. been a, I think he's only been a part of seven because he's I think he wasn't on the pitch for one of them. Okay. But when he's on the pitch, gotcha. if they score, he's involved. He's involved. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I'd like to ask you about two other teams that I was in a conversation on Twitter about, uh, one of which is Crystal Palace, who I'm looking at the table now, are the only team to not draw this year. Five wins, five losses after 10 games. <clears throat> who do you think not only finishes higher in the table, but has a higher goal differential between Crystal Palace and Leicester? I thought you were going to say West Ham. Um, <laughs> no. Crystal Palace and Leicester? Crystal Palace and Leicester. Uh, a lot hinges on what happens to Jamie Vardy in January. If you read the tea leaves right, right. now. He's, gonna go, he's going to Real Madrid with teams. A lot of teams are in on him. It's not just them. Yeah. He um, has to stay in England. There's got to be a team here that pays more. I, I mean, obviously, Real Madrid be, will pay more. Like but, United, it would be like a team like United. Right. Right. He's English, so he's got to have that. You know, if John Stones can get forty million pounds. Vardy's obviously a little older, but I remember when Vardy first came onto the scene. You were saying like four years ago, he was playing like this amateur, like D, yeah. like Division Six. Then he went to Division Four. Yeah. Then he went to Division Two. Then he went to the Premier League. And then we were like, oh, by this pace, he'll be like on uh, on Real Madrid in two years. Right, and now <laughs> and now the rumors are coming. Right, about and now he's going to go to Real Madrid yeah. with Mount with Mares. Um, so yeah, who finishes higher? Right now, Leicester's fifth at 19 points. Palace is seventh at 15. With the rosters currently constituted, no, nothing changes except for, like, uh, you know. We'll as, say Connor Wickham is healthy for. He's supposed to come back soon, well, so yeah, they'll no, have a true striker. And, just play, just play. That, that it's the current rosters based yes. on current rosters. I think Leicester would finish higher. Okay. 
but I don't believe that these rosters are the final rosters for either team, for that matter. Okay. Well, let's let's keep playing the they stay the same because teams don't make like wholesale changes in January, usually. Um, so if Leicester finishes ahead of Crystal Palace, where do they finish? Close to mid-table, probably like eight or nine. Okay. Uh, they're not going to stay up at five or anything. Like remember we but were like talk- a six and set. Like, well, let me add. Let me add two more teams then. So it's Leicester, Crystal Palace, Spurs, and Sunder and uh, Southampton. Excuse me. Uh, like, can they stick in that group, or they're you think they're going to fall behind uh, that group? They, they, they fall a little far, a little behind that. Because basically, that Tottenham, Southampton, Liverpool, Everton quartet well, is usually Ever- in well, that. Ever- well, the Everton bunch is where I, I, like right near Everton. Right. So you'd say Everton is probably on the bottom of that second tier, the the non-European tier, and then Leicester tops the next tier. Which, yeah, yeah I guess puts them in the 9-10 range. Yes. Okay. Yes. And do you think Jamie Vardy wins the golden boot? No. I do not. And who catches him? <laughs> that's a good, that's a very good question. That's the, that's the part of the question that I think gives him a chance. That Aguero is obviously going to be like that, that's the, I mean, that's the guy you think of, but the injuries. That's what it is. Injuries. Right. I, he's yeah. the only one that I think you could realistically put money on, and, which is nuts. Um, but like Kane is six back. Costa's eight back. And, you know, Alexis is four back, but I don't see Alexis as like a 25 yeah, goal scorer. Not, yeah, he assists too much. And... I mean, Hazard's not even doing anything. He right. may not even play every game now. I mean, we're basically looking at somewhere in that 20 to 25 goal range. We'll win yeah. it. By the way, yeah, and, and Vardy's at 10 already in 10 it's, matches. It's been a weird Premier League season that way because the top teams when they play each other is a horrible endorsement for the Premier League. That Manchester derby was awful. Oh and goodness. that wasn't the only one. When Chelsea played Arsenal, that, I mean, that it wound up being 2 nothing. but one of them was a deflected goal and the other one was kind of fluky. And there were two red cards. <laughs> and there were two red cards. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's those teams just they don't. It's it's almost like NFL head coaches. Like those coaches are so risk averse. Yeah. Especially when they're playing each other, it's that they they would rather not lose than win. You know who's not risk averse? Claudio Ranieri. <laughs> For now. For now, yeah. But it's working. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. He's got two of the best. Eddie players. Howe isn't either, and they're giving up five goals a game. Uh, yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's just it, it, it doesn't always work out that way. It's just right now it's working for him, and the first sign of trouble, I'm sure they'll go defensive. But the reason why I I don't think they go defensive is because they they don't know how to do, like they don't have the personnel to do that. I think the only way that they keep winning is that they have to just keep out trying to outscore. Two teams have scored more goals than them this year, and I think that's how they stay up. They have more than double of Liverpool. I th- well, I think the teams that have scored, well, I mean, the teams that have scored more than Leicester, what is it, like City and West Arsenal or West Ham? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, well, They've only lost once. They're one of only yeah. two teams to lose once. Yeah. Somehow speaking of, the speaking of West Ham, Andy Carroll coming in. <laughs> How did you feel about that? It was the most predictable thing on the planet. I think I tweeted it at halftime. It's like I'd be stunned now, especially with the red card, if Andy Carroll doesn't come in. Yeah. Because the, I mean, the 
Did you feel torn at all, or did your no. Chelsea stand? No, I, I was miserable the whole time, especially, <laughs> especially because when you see it coming, which whenever you see it, because like every Andy Carroll goal is, is, is so inevitable. The ball gets lofted in the air. He's sitting there, and there's someone who's about a foot shorter than him standing next to him every time. My, I, I had tweeted this because um, somebody had the video, uh, you know, short clip on it. The, I think it was Azpilicueta who was attempting to, as right. I described it, it was a classic NBA box out of yeah. he got really low and tried to essentially push Carroll away from the ball. And, and then he just basically sat on his shoulders. It, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> he, he tried to up and sat on his shoulders. That's yeah, pretty much what he did. He tried to, to move him away, and instead, it, he basically gave him a platform to jump off of, <laughs> and the rest was a, was history. Anyway, poor defending. It's, well, well, think about Chelsea this season. I, I I I really wanted to look these up. This these stats up. The number of goals they've let up from set pieces and set piece type situations. They look like Arsenal. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> it, Except they're not zonal marking. They're actually no, they're not. man marking. They're, they're, they're somehow. terribly. They're, they're man marking so terribly it looks like it's zonal. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like it's man. To, like I'll I'll play man to man as long as there's no man standing next to me. That's mm-hmm. their defensive strategy on set pieces right now. Yeah. But anyway, uh, too much. Too much Chelsea. Uh, you know. Yes. Other let stories. me let me let me do the last question that I wrote down. Okay. So Mesut Ozil has seven assists. League Who, leader. League leader. Uh, Silva is at six. He's out for at least another week, although maybe he comes back. Mares is at five. And I'll add Wes Houlihan at five also, just for just so we cover everything. Who finishes with more than Ozil? Who would finish more, with more assists than him? Right. It's really probably just Silva or Mahrez, right? I, I mean, Yaya Torre's at four, but... I would say just Silva. Okay. The way he's playing. Right. It's... it's well, I, I still don't know what that... I mean, the Arsenal midfield seems to be solidifying. It's just the forwards that you have to kind of worry about now. Like, there's not a lot... There's not a swinging rotation of players coming in and out of that midfield like there used to be like last season yep um, but this season it looks like the forwards are the ones that are swapping yes so that's infuriating for owners of either one of them in the season long league but it looks True. like it's walcott first but Giroud a close second it's basically whoever has scored i mean he's playing form which i guess isn't really it well they're both hard. on form yeah walcott's uh, hasn't scored in a few games, I think. And Giroud scored off the bench, which is why he got the start on Saturday, and he scored again. So, yeah, I I hate to say that like that's that makes sense for this team. I mean, this has always been a team that's built around the midfield. Yeah. So if you're able to kind of move them in and out, the the issue will be if if they can, if either one can then take that reserve role and score to fight for the job. Yeah. Giroud obviously did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, no matter who's no matter who's starting up front, you feel safe starting them in fantasy for sure, for sure. All right, and then well, another one of my gut my gut calls last week on the podcast was that Sunderland were going to do well. Yes. So, specifically, Stephen Fletcher too. Yeah, you so, did actually. Sorry, Fabio, so. No, it was Fabio, it was Barini, Fabio yeah. Barini, but in the same role, but in the same role. Basically, as soon as I said Fabio. Barini, 
Greeny's name, he got hurt. It was, yeah. yeah, it was kind you, of amazing. You, you, you so, yeah, exactly. It's really, it's what I do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly what I do. But um, Stephen Fletcher in the last three weeks, which is, I think, uh, Sam Allardyce's tenure, I think he has two goals and an assist. Yeah, he looks great. Or, or a goal and two assists, one of the two. I think he has. Th- I thought it was two goals. But... Uh, you know, he's, ex- yeah. yeah, two goals and an assist then. Uh, yeah, that's correct. It's two goals and an assist. Uh, he played very, very well against uh, Newcastle, which was such an important game for Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, they now are level with Newcastle on points, I believe, after that. Uh, At six. <laughs> so, it, uh, it, it, well, you know, it's it, it, it's only two teams or three teams below Chelsea. But uh, for Sunderland, do you feel like there's any kind of value there because Big Sam likes to feed his strikers in the middle, especially if they have – his kind of talents, just being big and physical? Yeah, I th- yes, but I feel like every week I'm going to have a number of guys ahead of Defoe or Barini or Fletcher. That like, I, I don't necessarily think that they're poor choices, but I will likely look at a long list of players before I really consider putting them into any sort of lineup, particularly season long. Yeah, well, yeah, Sunderland was obviously aided. You know, Stephen Fletcher drew that controversial penalty on... Right. And Johnson finished uh, it on Colaccini. If you're, he shouldn't even be playing either. But who shouldn't be playing? You know, Adam. Adam oh, Adam well, Johnson. yeah, that's a whole other story. And it's, and it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, criminals allowed uh, in the Northeast. But for for fantasy purposes, though, first of all, knowing that Adam Johnson's the one that's going to take penalties when even Jermaine Defoe is on the pitch is something you should know mm-hmm. uh, if, if they ever get any. But uh, you know. Jermaine Defoe played an integral part. As soon as he came on, he was energetic. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned if that's not the, the partnership going forward, even with Barini healthy. Defoe and Fletcher? Yeah. Okay. But, like, are you really that excited about taking either of them in a fantasy <sighs> league? It would certainly no. be a differential. No, but it's not about excited. It's about where you production. Sometimes you just got to take players and close your eyes and hope for the best. Good luck. Yes. I'm struggling to <laughs> to figure out a place where I would fit them in. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying you'd like it, but it's just you know, like what like West Brom. Like, you, did you? I mean, West Brom defense with Tony Pulis is always a position that you you know you think, oh, there's a possibility for a clean sheet every week. Last weekend going at the North, were you confident? No, but would no. you have done it if the price, especially because they're not expensive? Yeah, you totally would. Yeah, I I feel much more confident playing. T- playing to a style for defenders than I am for for attackers. It's much easier to stop people from scoring than it is from scoring. So that's why I'd be comfortable with like a West Ham defense, knowing that Pulis usually has a pretty good defensive setup. But just saying, you know, like, when have we ever really said Big Sam's team should be targeted because they're excellent goal scorers? Like Andy Carroll yeah. was never at the top yeah. of your list when he was at West Ham like yeah we considered him sure but you're never going to be com- like confident enough that that they're going to be able to break through ahead of yeah other guys yeah on that same token style wise when uh when Crystal Palace don't play a striker you know yeah, they don't uh, score <laughs> you can't trust anybody yeah you can't trust anybody uh, I believe we were I believe I was saying that like I wouldn't like you know if, if with Sacco and Balassi when we were talking about him last week it's like I wouldn't start them if they were 
if they were asked to play the forward. But if they put in any forward, I mean, I think they put in Fraser they Campbell. They could put in Campbell, yeah. And Bamford came on for him after yeah. a shockingly unsuper- uh, unproductive 50-something minutes. He's getting to the point where he's going to have to use Bamford. Or I'm assuming as soon as he's ready to use Bamford, Wickham will come back. But like yeah, he's, exactly. used, he's used Wickham. He's used Gale. He used Murray before he left. He's used Fraser Campbell. Shamak, I guess, like could be old- back soon, so maybe he'll take it. But it's astonishing to me how many of these guys he's putting in front of Bamford. Do you feel like there are teams that would do that on purpose? Like they take loans from the big, play- from the big clubs just to waste the talent on the bench? I'm not sure I see like, the they, like, do you benefit feel like, from the club. I, I, I'm just, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering, like, if the, you know, the reaction to the loan system is just that, hey, we have a chance to just. But Bamford you know, wasn't going to make a difference at Chelsea. So you're you're taking him because he's not th- developing either. He's not developing. Well, th- 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 that he's yes, getting, but I'm saying from he's not, from he's not getting match, he's not getting match experience. But from the perspective of we're going to take him so that because it you know lessens our opponent. I don't think that applies in this case. I don't think it applies with anybody who's taking a, a player from Chelsea. Because if Chelsea's willing to give them up, then obviously they're I, not going to be I, in a rotation. Well, I wasn't trying to make this a Chelsea thing. I was just trying to make it like, you know, the loan system being flawed, which I think it is. I think, um, well, I mean, I think it works a lot of the time. Like DeAndre Yedlin. He was not going to play at Tottenham. They send him to Sunderland. Now he's starting. Gets his first clean sheet. Yeah, Kieran Trippier can't even play a drop Tottenham. Right. All right. That was a weird one. All right, Liverpool. Last topic for me. Uh, Liverpool under Klopp. Just I want to get your reactions to what you've seen so far. And, uh, you know, after after you're done, you know, just uh, give me the player that you think is going to be the most improved, at least someone who you may not have been thinking about, but you're definitely going to think about him now. If there is one. Yeah, I don't. I haven't. I don't think anybody has really seen enough of what he's done with them to have a, a great opinion. Like two games, and neither of them, I think, exuded any sort of. Like I think if you were some sort of like Jurgen Klopp expert and you watched those two games, you wouldn't necessarily think that like, oh, this is clearly a, a Klopp team uh, in terms of you know style, because it's filled with a bunch of guys who have never played for him before. So I think they're still in that transition phase of getting out of playing like they did for, for Rogers and moving into this Klopp, which should be kind of a more high pressing style. But the, the problem that, that they're going to continue to have are are these injuries that I, I don't think we can, we can really see until Firmino is fully fit. Benteke, you know, he obviously scored this week. Origi looked atrocious yet again. I'm not sure he's going to play again all season. But the I don't think we've seen enough from them to say like yeah, he's going to be able to turn it around or that they even look like the team that he wants. And because of that there nobody has really jumped out at me of like oh well, he's clearly going to be uh one of the guys. I think everybody has kind of touted Coutinho as as the one who who could take a step because of Klopp, but I'm not sure I, I don't see it because Ultimately, I feel like you know he's still very young, but he has his style of his own style of play, and I'm not necessarily sure that it fits into a style where he, where there are other guys who are kind of in this pressing attacking role that that he kind of took upon himself with Rodgers, where he can kind of take shots whenever he wants and hope that they go in from 35 yards, and sometimes they do, and we all talk about him, but I'm not sure he's 
he's going to take this like giant leap, at least from a fantasy perspective. So I kind of I don't think anybody really has this this great jump, uh, you know, because we had kind of high expectations for guys like Benteke and Milner. Uh, Henderson's obviously still hurt, but um, you know, if you were looking for me to be like, yeah, Adam Lallana is going to take a jump, like I, I don't think I don't see how anybody can make any argument for anybody. Yeah, I think unless you're about like, to do you know, it. <laughs> well, I'm going to make a case for somebody. Great. Uh, I think it's James Milner. Okay. I think James Milner plays that frantic style that Klopp likes, that he can run around forever. I was going to say he, he has the motor everybody. for it. Yeah, he can press everybody. And when you, especially when you saw it at Manchester City, um, he can, first of all, ghost anybody on the wing. He can make shut them down if they need to. And then secondly, he can also run forward and create chances. Uh, I think I was reading that he created five chances last weekend alone, and he got the assist for Benteke's goal. So mm-hmm. – uh, if there's a midfielder that I feel would be best suited, it would be him just naturally thinking about it. And then secondly, he's shown that he can actually – he has at least a little bit of production, small sample size. But you know, him and maybe a little bit of Emery Chan. We still don't know what Emery Chan is. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's been horribly misused. I think he's a very talented player. Uh, I think he's someone that Germany particularly is looking at and like, Come on, guys, help us out here a little yep. bit. You know, um, it's yeah. Getting sent as like a outside guy of a back three was clearly not his position. He was decent at it, but that's not his role. But is yeah, he anything? We don't know what his best role is. I agree. Uh, I'm not sure he's a great attacker, though. So shouldn't it be that he should line up right next to Henderson in kind of that holding midfield? Doesn't that make the most sense? I think so. I think that makes sense. I think Henderson should be able to provide some value too in this system. I agree. Once he gets healthy, yeah. whenever that is. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's well, a big. That's, that's a big absence. Yeah. So. Let's not. Let's yeah, not ignore that. I agree. That. I agree. But yeah, but the, yeah, and I, I think that Liverpool, especially as the season goes along, there's going to be someone in the midfield that comes and stands out. Uh, and I think it's going to be Milner, Milner based on my gut reaction. Yeah. Okay. But uh, to catch more of my gut reactions, especially for game week eleven. Uh, catch us again later on in the week for the next episode of the Rotowire. Next episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Maybe I'll learn how to talk by then. Who knows? <laughs> but I'll certainly be in a better mood because hopefully, nope, I won't be in a better mood because Liverpool play Chelsea and I'll just be miserable. But yeah, catch that, uh, catch that, and more coming up in the next episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotawire.com slash soccer. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.